Namaste. Hey, how are you? Excellent. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to do this podcast. Yes. <laughs> we are ready. We are ready. Sister Wives of Kilman, episode three. And today mm-hmm. we will be talking about trees. Trees. Yeah. I love it. I'm sitting outside right now with the dog by a bunch of trees on the Mesa and Santa Barbara overlooking the ocean. So it seems very apropos to this topic. Yes, absolutely. Having a tennis ball thrown at me right now by the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I think they want to play. Yeah. Yep. Oh, <laughs> yes. It's, it's so funny. So I have had several friends that are like, when are you doing the tree podcast? I want to hear the tree podcast. So I just want to give, a little shout out to Marissa and Haley and Andrea for her, their uh, patient anticipation. <laughs> we appreciate that. Yes. Patience is always a practice. Yes, for yeah. sure. We learned that from trees too, because they take so long to reach maturation. Yes, beautifully connected. Oh, yes. Let's just dive right in. Okay. <sighs> Okay, so my I'm sitting here on the earth and it's just it's so nice to be so connected to her and to feel because there's like roots underneath me from these big old trees. And one of my favorite ways to look at the tree is just like its branches and leaves reaching toward the heavens and having that celestial connection and to the ancestors and then the trunk being here on earth terrestrial and reminding us to be in the moment and then the roots connecting all the lineages and everything. So it's like the ancestral connection for me is like both the roots and the branches, which I find to be intriguing. Yes. It's like, um, there's a quote that's often attributed to Jung, but it was actually Nietzsche who said it originally, Mm -hmm. um, that no, tree can grow to heaven unless its roots reach down to hell um so it's the the connection the being the channel between the heaven and earth and our Mm -hmm. ancestors in every direction and on all planes i love that and i mean anicha was really striving towards bringing together some of that you're rather getting away from that Descartes philosophy too and Mm. bringing wholeness back to us to our bodies to our lives and to nature Mm -hmm. and definitely influenced Tillman quite a bit yes and I I think we've mentioned this before but Hillman was a pretty radical pagan And his uh, spiritual connection had so much to do with nature and trees and um, the anima mundi, recognizing that we are, we are all connected. Right. Through the world's soul. Yes. Mm. Uh, well, in the tree, once again, circling back to that, it's like the spirit and the soul. Because when we really look at the anima and animus, spirit and soul, of soul going down like the valley and that's like the roots but then the spirits rising up like the branches so there's so many ways to kind of weave that together mm-hmm. so beautiful yeah so 
I know one of the things we've we've connected on before is some of the Celtic traditions. Did you want to speak on that at all? Sure. That's on my, I have a couple of notes and that was the next <laughs> one that I was going to. Ooh, it's I, like I saw your notes and I didn't. I <laughs> <laughs> um, so the uh, Celtic, ancient Celtic shamans, um, it was a matriarchal uh, shamanic practice primarily and the shamans saw themselves as being directly connected to the trees and direct descendants from the trees um which i just think is so incredibly magical and it resonates so deeply with me and at the same time i recognize how foreign that is in our culture today and even within my own life for, for most of my life to not, um, not recognize the medicine and the sentient beings that are these grandmother trees. Mm-hmm. I, th- I mean, you know, as children, we read the, the giving tree book and it's a sweet book, but I don't think that we fully take that into our bodies and incorporate that the true wisdom of that child children's book rather yes of like look how much it's giving to us even when it just seems to be this trunk which is still alive and has life force even though we look at it as being dead right and we do we definitely separate ourselves from nature and just clear cut old growth forest and have no reservations about preservation there conservation mm-hmm. it's just let's mm-hmm. destroy this and then we're going to use it and we want to just pull and pull from mother earth and not give anything back. Yes. There's a lack of um, reverence Mm -hmm. for, as you said, like the, the sacred wisdom in these ancient giants that are around us all the time. And we don't even, we don't even notice. It's Mm -hmm. so wild. It is is so wild. (laughs) Right? <laughs> yeah. I remember in the late 80s when um, Yellowstone had a major fire. And we would go from Michigan every summer out west and spend a lot of time in Colorado. But then we'd always go somewhere else, camping and hiking and horseback riding. And when that fire happened, my parents made a point to take us to Yellowstone that summer. Wow. And a lot of people weren't going there then because it had just been devastated. But they wanted us to experience that And really what I got from it, even as a really young child, was like there was so much life there. Like we were walking through, there was ash and death, and it seemed like it would have been desolate. But what I learned later on getting my environmental studies degree in undergrad was the primary succession that comes through and all these native and non-native wildflowers will grow. And so it's this is this life cycle that it's really showing us after a native fire regime goes through or even a non-native regime goes through of there's still life after death and it's just the next lifetime yeah it's an alchemical rebirth Mm -hmm. definitely going through that calcination just burning down all, all the ash everywhere yeah, and the the putrefaction too, because everything looks dead, but really, it's about to be reborn. It is. Love yeah. that. 
I think that's really what led me into getting an environmental studies degree because I have such vivid memories of being in the mountains and with the trees, with the death, with the life and all the different colors and smells and sounds and everything there and being one with it instead of separate from the tree, just like, you know, when you grow up as a hippie and you're called a tree hugger and it's looked at as this like (laughs) pejorative term and it's like, well, why not? Like, don't you want to hug your grandma? Like, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. And that also, um, reminds me of forest bathing. Ooh, tell us about that. So, um, I haven't found, like, who originally coined the phrase forest bathing, but I know it's incredibly popular in Japan, and it's starting to spread across the world, where um, people go to a forest and spend at least 20 minutes just no technology being bathed by the fresh oxygen from the trees and trees have this magical, I think, uh, or scientific, whichever one you want to go with, um, ability to ionize the air. And it helps to heal um, so many of the like uh, free radicals and all sorts of things that are going on in our bodies. Um, and it helps us to ground and come back to center and um, provides relief from 